Hey everybody, welcome into Letterman Live. That we are at Roosters on Owen Tangy River Road in Columbus, Ohio. I am Austin Ward. That is Jeremy Birmingham. Attack and dominate Anthony Schlegel and the man right here, Beanie Wells. We uh, have a loss to break down <laughs> for the first time uh, in a long time. Happy New Year to all of you, by the way. Uh, that's why Anthony Schlegel is not digging into the mac and cheese bites that's to see right. if he can last during the show. Uh, his resolution for this new year. All right, Clemson 29, Ohio State 23. I really don't know where to begin. It, I think it's just going to go down as one of the most disappointing, stinging losses maybe in school history because we're going to be talking about the fumble. We're going to be talking about the ejection, the final play interception, what could have been. We're going to talk about ten plays forever. Ohio State probably only needed one, maybe two to go their way, and the, and the game is completely different, and we're getting ready for a national championship game. What? was your number one takeaway on Saturday night, Beanie? <laughs> oh, man, there were so many. You know, I, I, first off, I thought Ohio State came out, controlled that game. Um, you know, I thought we looked good out the gate. And then I think the glaring thing out there was the referees. I think that's my number one takeaway. I don't know how you can't go and look at the refs and the way that they call that game and just say, wow. It was just embarrassing. Yeah. I said wow a lot of times in the press <laughs> box. I just couldn't believe especially the fumble. I just couldn't believe it, Schlegs. Yeah, so for me looking at it, especially early in that game, I had no doubt that we were going to win. But in a big-time game like that, good on good, I automatically went back to Texas in 05. We had three turnovers inside their 25 to start the game and got three points. We were in the red zone three times and got nine points. In a game like that, you have to close out great competition early when you got them. Yep. And so some of the, those were our mistakes, not capitalizing on those opportunities. Then everything else kind of culminated on top of that, right? Because if you think about it, theoretically, you could be 28 to nothing before anything goes down. And instead, it was 16 nothing. Right. And there, let's not kid ourselves. That's a great team. It is. Clemson is a great team. And a great program. To me, looking at it, it's kind of like we had a championship caliber team. We had one in 05. We had one this year. And we didn't get it done. And there were situations. And then it goes back to Beanie's point of over-officiating replay. I, didn't, I completely don't understand it, especially when you saw the rest of college football and how they didn't over-officiate <laughs> yeah. and all the other calls that could have happened that could have been ejections and how it's so subjective. That is what really bothers me with this rule. We're all athletes. We all play different sports growing up, and we're all taught don't – I don't think we should be counted well, in the I same mean, obviously category. They play, <laughs> obviously, they play at a different level, but you're, you're always taught don't let officials yeah. make the difference, right? right. Put the game away. Leave no doubt. That way, if, if it's up to somebody else, they can't take it away from you. Right. And that's fine. It's understandable to say that. It's it's a pos it's a real response. Ohio State should not have been in that position. Yep. But they lost by six and had seven points stolen from them. Yes. So they lost the game. So all of the things that they could have done different didn't need to do different. They needed one thing, mm -hmm. and that was for an, a clear-cut fumble and recovery for a touchdown to not be changed. Or... And a running into the punter, or a not ejection. <laughs> well, certainly, I mean it's it's just crazy to look at some of the ones that went against them. And I know that well. Those are two know, drives and, that got continued and led to touchdowns for Clemson, and or KJ Hill getting tackled uh, in the end multiple zone times. multiple times. Chase Young being I mean, we don't need to make this the officiating hour, but uh, we can because I mean, but, it's, but that's true. it's hard not to. And that's the crazy part, right? Like I don't even 
you know, I've, I know people have been sending in this information about the replay official and where he lives and what he does. <laughs> like that guy, on it's TV almost it's almost crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that that's even part of this discussion. That somebody who I guess is in Birmingham and not is a part time, you know, uh, radio re- replay official and hosts a radio show. Uh, like that guy's deciding. Who's going to win the Fiesta Bowl? Give me a break. No, I always say, man, it's too much money. And I know we're talking about college, but it's still too much money at stake in terms of officiating for them not to be able to get these things right. I mean, it's too much money and too much legacy on the line for coaches, players, for the officials not to be able to get this right. This is a college football playoff game. Right. You understand the magnitude of it. You understand how big it is. And for us not to have the correct officials – or at least to have the officials to be able to evaluate things correctly and get them right on the field, how do you do that? I say the same thing in the National Football League. Pit these guys through specific training, make everybody go through the same training, so everybody's on one accord, so you know what a catch and a fumble is, so you know what a targeting is, so you know these things. You can't have these individual things be the outcome of games of this magnitude. It's too large. There's too much at stake. Well, like you have the NCAA, right, that governs the body of collegiate athletics. Why would, Why isn't there a – A national body gov- for officials. Exactly. Like and ridiculous. then whoever is the head of officiating is the one in the booth making that type of call – as opposed, because I think it was, was it a Big Twelve crew no, or SEC, SEC, right? Even SEC worse, crew, even worse. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> it was the SEC crew. But whoever, regardless of conference, there has to be a, you know, control element of that of the number one official in the governing body of officiating in NCAA Division One college football, and that is the guy making that call in the the semifinals, both games. Right, because I mean, again, I mean, you got one day to like do your job, right? <laughs> so you do your job on one day for both games, and you do it for the national championship game. That way, every there's there's transparency across the board, regardless of conference, yeah. as to what the outcome and ruling should be on the field. And as long as there's not a national board, how the hell do you allow any of the conferences who are involved in the playoff to have their officials? Calling the games, like, so Pac-12 crew. Always, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, oh, I don't know. Gonna like, Pac-12 is on. Know what you're going to get? At least then you remove this this shadow of man. It's really unfortunate that SEC officials got to decide who LSU was playing at home. <laughs> that's just the bad optics of it, and that's it. the Schlegs' points. Where it, if, it's the, if it's the NCAA it. championship and the NCAA officiating crew, how are you going to complain? You're not going to go right. you know, fish around for some conspiracy right. theory that. Uh, the SEC wanted LSU to play Clemson instead of Ohio State, but that's instead the situation where we're in, where uh, everyone is looking for answers for how this happened to Ohio State, and you can point to the drops from J.K. Dobbins and Chris Olave in the final play and breaking off the route, but as Berm said, I mean, they, they really did enough to win the game. Which is crazy. Like, think about all the things that went against them, and they were still good enough to do everything it took to win the game if an official didn't overturn something that had no business even being. That was so clearly a catch. (laughs) It was 100%, and I I tweeted that Caught it in four steps and then moved it Mm -hmm. and then fumbled. And somehow. He was trying to tuck it. Right. This is what I said after the game. You got receivers who are all six foot four, six foot five, right? They're holding it up here so people can't knock it out of their hands. So then when he was finally being tackled, he started to try to tuck it so that he could secure it better, keeping it away from, from the defensive back. So when he brought it down is when it got knocked out of his hand. And it was – those Clemson receivers have giant hands. <laughs> They're big. <laughs> They're vice grips. He never bobbled the ball. Which it is never moved. It never moved in his hand. That was a bad explanation. The fact that the guy – matter of fact, I believe his third and fourth steps were going up. He was starting, were, to, turn, were, yeah. he was starting to turn. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, what else do you want him to do? It was like Okuda to say, hey, listen, tuck this ball. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to punch it out or swipe it out. But I, I need you to tuck it first. It's just absolutely ridiculous on that one particular yeah. play because it did take points off the board. The, the and there lives, was nothing The enough. lives of every single person in that building <laughs> changed. For I mean, I know it sounds extreme, but like no, forever. that is a life-changing moment mm-hmm. for those kids who just had that game taken away from them for absolutely subjective and and there wasn't uh, enough no, to overturn no that was the other problem it's supposed to be indisputable right. evidence to overturn the call right. if it was called incomplete on the field fine but right it wasn't. You, yeah it wasn't it was there there was nothing there that you could say indisputable evidence we need to take this off the board and that's the sad part it, a game of that magnitude that was so good for a number of reasons the players the coaches everybody involved it's taken away because we're talking yeah. about the referees. I know. All the great things that were that happened in that game. J.K. Dobbins out <laughs> the gate, you know, busting a 60-yard touchdown. Him being the only running back in Ohio State history to eclipse 2,000 yards. We're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about the referees in the game in the college football playoff. Or That's he, the embarrassing thing that the people, the powers that be, need to eliminate that moving forward. Or even the toughness, like the, the, the things that happen within the game, mm-hmm. right? The toughness of J.K. to have an ankle injury and still come back, not come out, right. do what he did. Like, that is unbelievable. That is selfless ball mm-hmm. when in, in, a, in a society where it's like the, the, the next level. This guy's just going out there to perform for his brothers. He's hurt, and he's still producing. Yeah. Right? Like, let's talk about that. But instead, yeah. we're talking about the officiating and how we're not getting ready for a national championship game. You two have both been part of big games, and you've both come up short and had to deal with that. The situation when you go, oh. wow, I'm just going to stick <laughs> stick it in. Like, <laughs> tell me, you know, Berm alluded to this, what the people that are a mile away in the Woody, what are they, what is it like? How long does it take to get over? I, do you ever get over it? How old are you, Beanie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never get over it. I mean, I go back to 2006. You know, I was there. Ohio State would have been the only team in the country to beat three number twos. That was everything going into the national championship game. We beat Texas earlier on in the year, yeah. who was a number two. We beat Michigan, who was a number two. And then we get to face Florida in the national championship. So our mindset, you know what, is the let's go out and, and win this game, but we're going to be considered the best college football team ever assembled yeah. because no team has ever done that. This Ohio State team had that opportunity. Now, I mean, it, it would have been, you know, subjective to if, if you want to call them the greatest team ever, but certainly they would have been one of the yeah, best Ohio argument, State football yeah. teams ever to come through Columbus. And now that's all erased by that. And you mean to tell me these kids' minds aren't going to be thinking about that? Right. I mean, and then there's so many guys that probably won't go to the National Football League. So this was at the height of the height of their careers right here. The chance to have a national championship ring, beat all the teams that they would have had the opportunity to beat. They no longer get that. So that's always going to be in the back of their mind. What if? What if the ref would have called that a fumble? What if uh, Wade would have got ejected? The ref did call it a fumble. Let's be clear. (laughs) What if he would have got ejected from the game? I mean, so what's your thing? Sean Wade being ejected, that's another rule that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Because, one, I remember watching Bosa in his last college football game get ejected in the first series. Same building. And the, the fact that we saw a blatant targeting with the Alabama player twice. Right. Well, I mean, the Oklahoma. The Oklahoma one, excuse me. You saw what targeting actually was. That was targeting. Then you saw it in the Alabama game. That one didn't get called. Intent. Right? Yep. Right? And then you saw this one where he's coming in. Trevor Lawrence, who's bigger, ducks down and leans forward with his helmet, and he hits him in his shoulder pad and makes contact with his helmet, and that's targeting. And he he was ducking down to start to run. 
removing himself from right. being a defenseless player. Right. So there's so there's there, there's there's so many things, and and even if you go back and say, you know what, it was targeting, it was crown of the helmet or whatever, fifteen yard penalty in the game, right? Or what about the targeting calls that get targeted and they're still fifteen yards, but it really wasn't targeting. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, they you, overturn it and it's yeah, still fifteen it, yards. It's still fifteen yards. That makes no sense. Like it wasn't targeting, but yet we called it targeting, so we're still going to give you fifteen. No, it shouldn't be. There should be no penalty. And if you do call it targeting and there wasn't the intent there, then maybe it's 15, like a late hit out of bounds. Right. But then then there's the blatant intentional targeting that should be an ejection. So there's really now three layers. I, I think it's they need, I think they need a yellow system. card and a red card. Mm-hmm. If you have – if Sean Wade, if you hit him in the helmet, targeting penalty, you want to call it. There's no intent, yellow card. But if you do it again, you're out of the game. So going back to your previous question, I'm 38, yeah. almost 39 years old. It still hurts me because I'm watching the highlights of Texas USC. I would have, I would pay, I would give you the difference USA right now. Two <laughs> patents, all these different things that we're doing, and say I want to smoke Lindell White and Reggie Bush in the hole. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I want, I want an opportunity to cover Reggie Bush on an angle route. Please, Lord, give me some help over the top from a safety. I was gonna say, you, right? you really yeah. want that? Yeah, you no, don't I, want I, one. I just want to give him a one way go there. over the top and that safety there. We get a pick, right? But like the opportunity to even be there in that moment to play in that game, right? I still wrestle with that because then I go back and I look at Penn State. Again, this is 05 Penn State. It's like, what do you do? We three and out in the entire second half and got beat 17 to 10. You still live with that. The one thing that carries that you will be able to carry away as a player is that I truly believe all these guys spilt it for their coaches and for their teammates. When you walk, even after a defeat, you can walk away and say, I gave it everything I had from January 13th throughout all offseason, spring ball, summer conditioning in the season. I spilt it for my teammates and my coaches. It didn't happen for us. That's something that you can live with. Yeah. But, you know, you're still going to wrestle with the one or two calls, right? The running into the punter. Like those things that we didn't capitalize to go get to the national championship game because then there is the what if. Especially if this is a tight ball yeah. game. You're going to be like, holy smokes. <laughs> well, I, I knew that that was going to be the answer, so I set you guys up because Berm still talks about getting removed from the state championship game. I'll never forget it. <laughs> no, you don't. Losing you know. the state championship. My high school baseball team lost the state championship game in, in an unbelievably heartbreaking fashion. I will never forget it. I mean, it's a life-changing moment. Like You work your entire career for that. For Ryan Day in his first year as a head coach to be in that position, to do everything that he's had to do, to go out there – and beat Clemson, be the better team, to have it taken away from them because some random person who nobody gets to see <laughs> decided that, that, nope, sorry, we're going to take those seven points off the board. When you lose by six points, it is you can make all the comments you want, and they're all fair, right? Mm-hmm. Like It's totally, totally understandable. Yes, Ohio State should have scored touchdowns. Yes, Ohio State shouldn't have, Chris Olave shouldn't have broke off a route. Yes, they shouldn't have run into the punter. Who cares? It all comes down to one touchdown, and that's what they lost by. And that is that is is hard to swallow for those guys. I mean, that's everything they've worked for. Ryan Day's entire career is changed because he may never have a chance to play for a national championship or coach uh, to a national championship again. It's it's a it's heartbreaking for those guys, and you guys know this better than anybody. They work so hard, and yeah, don't give it to the officials to let them beat you, but. That's not their job to beat you. Their job is to call the play the way that it's happened. 
All right, we might have some uh, uh, better, <laughs> more encouraging topics to talk about. We're going to take a quick <laughs> break, see, see if Schlegel can keep resisting these mac I and cheese bites. so hard. We'll be right back here on Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. All right, welcome back in here to Roosters. Still talking about uh, the end of the 2019 season for Ohio State. Thought uh, we might be getting ready to go down to New Orleans. Instead, we're talking about coaching staff changes and uh, NFL draft situations. I mean, Beanie, you talked about J.K. early on. He made his his choice three years, first 2,000-yard back in school history. You know how hard, Oof. what a meaningful accomplishment that is. Uh, it's going to be difficult to replace him. Oh, w without question. I mean, the guy was incredible from the moment he stepped on the campus. Um, and you saw the fight. You saw the will that he had in that game, being injured, being banged up. But when you have a guy who affects the game in a way that he does when he's healthy, I mean, that's hard to replace. I mean, you, you go over the years and you look at Ohio State running backs, and, you know, we've always had that staple guy. But I don't know if we had that staple guy that has been good and as consistent as J.K. has for this amount of time. I mean, like you said, to, to be, the one, the second all-time leading rusher here at Ohio State, it comes 4,000 yards, then to have a 2,000-yard season. I mean, I don't think anybody anticipated that from this kid coming from Texas that wasn't just an all-world recruit that was blowing it out the water. I'm going to tell you, he did. But, but himself. Because last year, I remember, we had a conversation over at, at practice one day. This was obviously his sophomore year. Mike Weber was there. And I'm like, hey. I think it was a summer summer camp. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm like, what, what's your what's happening this year? He's like, I'm going to get 2,000 yards. I'm like, okay. I'm <laughs> like, was Mikey here? He's like, no, when he leaves. Like, he knew he had to split time. And he, he, was, he knew he would get 2,000 yards. Right. At some point, because he's just too good. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that I would think about a running back, no, no offense, uh, on the same level as Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State, right? And I, I think I still give Zeke the edge because of his ability to contribute in pass blocking and that kind of stuff. And JK's not quite there because he's just not as physical. But I mean, that's the heart. I think we and just soul. opened up a can of worms that, here. That's, that's <laughs> the, that's the, now, now we're talking about running back legacy. <laughs> that's the heart and soul of Ohio State offense this year. And to see what he did. Uh, to, to watch him in the second half of that game with the ankle, he, he was very, very affected by that ankle. You could see it when he was giving the ball to the backfield. didn't stop him as much when he was leaking out and, and catching passes because he wasn't cutting left. But yeah. could, uh, could let's, not let's, let's take this, though. He did 2,000 yards, and he didn't play a snap in four games it's like in half. the second half. half. Right. Yeah. Think about that. It's crazy. And, and Master T, I think, was 700, 800 yards mm -hmm. of rushing. 780 yards. Yeah. I mean, let's – Let's cut that in half. Let's just give him 400. Now he's at 2,400 in a, in a season, right? So the, the one thing, too, is his leadership, his presence, his work ethic, and how he plays the game will definitely correlate and translate into the next level. And also, I guarantee you, Beanie would have liked to have run behind this offensive line. <laughs> oh my gosh. There is a difference. Like I actually went back and thought, who would you replace? I played with a lot of great guys. Are there anybody in that offensive line from your senior year that you think would have started this year? No. Alex Boone, potentially, but I mean, not at left tackle. And Boone, Boone's a great player, but it, but you saw like in that Florida in game, yeah. he, he couldn't. He the the, the edge rush of Florida. Right. That's the difference between now mm -hmm. and here's the other thing that you saw in these bowl games. There is a talent gap, right? Significant talent gap, and you know, between Clemson. LSU, Ohio State, and Alabama, you saw it versus Michigan, oh, yeah. right? There is a significant talent gap, especially between the top three teams in this college football playoff. Oklahoma doesn't have it. One of the things that Ohio State has gotten better 
and that is recruiting tough, physical, athletic offensive linemen. They have switched to going and looking at personnel and athleticism and body types over actual positions. And as opposed to just being big. Yeah, and that's not because that's not going to win the day. Versus Florida, 41 to 14. We can't stop them. What do you do? Well, let's run a draw. Let's run some screens. Let's give our guys some help because our guys can't do that. Well, now you could say, hey, our whole offense is open because our guys can't block that because they are athletic. Yeah. Uh, and just to put a bow on that JK discussion, beating a month, month ago, we're sitting there at homage like yeah. Jonathan Taylor, JK. <laughs> they wound up finishing with exactly the same yardage total over 14 games. Like, and now you add in those second halves, J.K.'s probably uh, he's going out of the water, uh, without uh, question. I mean, he, he's a runaway, would probably, you know, creeping up there with what? What's Barry Sanders' record? You know, 2,600? 2, yeah. yeah, he's I mean, creeping up there with Barry Sanders' well, record. Because if, if, if you give him an extra game yeah. against LSU's defense, all of us, I mean. You give him that extra give game. Up 450 yards rushing to Ole Miss. I mean, you don't know what you can put together if you have a healthy Justin Fields and a healthy J.K. Dobbins. And that's game. another thing, too. We, we, I got to come for it. We didn't have, we had guys that were banged up on the offensive side of the ball. So we know. How that you know may play a role into J.K. maybe not getting the yardage that yep. he could have gotten out there. All right, so J.K. is going. Uh, Jeff Akuda is going. Chase Young has not made a decision. I think we know what that <laughs> decision is going to be. <laughs> I think he's still Chase, asleep. wake up! Uh, New Year's is over. Uh, Baron Browning is coming back. Drew Christmas is coming back. Wyatt Davis is coming back. There, Munford is coming back. Josh Myers is coming back. That's a pretty long list right there. The big one that we're waiting for, Letterman Row, will be in Florida tomorrow. Spencer Holbrook and I. Getting ready to leave this afternoon. We're going to go see Sean Wade. If you guys were advising him on his decision, I'm curious what you would think, what he needs to do here. I think you can make a really good case either way. Yeah, I think you can. Um, when you look at you know Ohio State and its tradition in terms of looking at the defensive backs, looking at the bigger, rangier guys, and looking at how they're respected now in the National Football League, it's like – <laughs> it's a toss-up. He can go to the league and you know get drafted in the first couple of rounds because people look at Ohio State and the way that they recruit and the way that they develop guys and say, I know if I'm going to Columbus, I'm going to get a ready-made guy right now mm -hmm. that can come into the NFL and be able to produce. Because you look at the let's look at the DBs that we have in the league at this moment. They're all producing at a high level, and I think people look at that. Well, the thing for me with Sean is where is the fit, mm -hmm. right? So he wasn't a Akuda Arnett. He didn't go play a lockdown corner position. He was a star, right? That has become really prevalent in today's game, especially with the more spread offense. Having a guy, a nickelback, that is a corner that can, I mean, Dante. Dante played our star. Mm -hmm. He's a safety, right? In the league, he was a strong safety, but could also go play that if you had other guys. So he's that tweener guy that if you want to add value to your team and depth, you add another corner that can play a very specific, you know, uh, position, but also blitz the quarterback, play the run, and cover guys one on one. So then it goes into where is he projected, right. right? If I'm a first or second round grade, who are the teams that could potentially go get me, and what are their needs? If their needs is a guy like me, who else would be t potentially on the board that could do that? Right. Those are all the things that have to get looked at in that position. Then it's like, okay, if you're the guy, we don't know who his DB coach is going to be next year. Right? We kind of know what – We do. Okay. We think we do. <laughs> right, you think you do, but you don't, yeah. right? So, And I don't think Kerry's been that far removed – 
that he doesn't know Sean right. or, or, or he, coach he coached Sean him. Okay, and for, for, him. Yep. All right, so so that's good. How are they going to utilize him that could increase that draft stock? Right? Yep. Is it like, hey, we want you to go play lockdown corner now where Jeff was, right, yep. or our net, and then we're going to move you over and play, you know, the nickel and let those guys. Like, how are we going to utilize him? So that's up in the air. Yep. The one thing you know is you know the 2019 body of work that you did. If you believe that you can go get a higher grade by staying for another year, you do that, right? Sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes it's a brotherhood. Back in the day, dude stayed four years. Malcolm stayed four. James stayed four. James stayed four. AJ stayed four. Bobby stayed. Like, all these guys could have left, but yet they stayed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, I so think then, with Dante, so, like you knew what he was a safety, right? Like right. you knew he yes. was going to be a safety in the next level. You don't know that about Sean, exactly. And I think NFL teams need to see that to determine which way is he going to go because he has played all in the slot. Yes, and I think they need to see if he can play on the outside or if he's a guy that's going to have to put on weight and rotate back and and play in the in the secondary as a safety all the time. And I think that's why Sean's decision is so interesting because nobody really has any idea. Like, you know he's a really good athlete. You know he's a, a playmaker. You know he kind of has a nose for the football. But at the same time, you don't know if he can cover a guy like uh, Sean, no, Sean, Nico Collins by himself. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Malcolm. And I say that because Malcolm in his career started as a corner and then moved to safety. Mm-hmm. Right? To your point, they need to see, hey, if we bring this guy in – is he locked down corner money? Yeah. Or is he safety money? They're going to go. But again, in this skit, what's up? In the league, you don't necessarily need. You look at Bradley Roby right now. Bradley Roby is a locked down corner money, but he's plays that that star well, position there with Houston. Where he's it's, rotating. It's interesting he's that you brought him, brought him up, Beanie, because when he was drafted, he, was he had already school. shown he can be, I'm, I can be an A1 corner at the college level. Right. It's like, the Broncos weren't saying we hope you can be the slot mm-hmm. guy, like that we know you can cover. Right? You but, but that's what he went to. Yeah, I guess. in Denver he was the nickelback. Right, but the money difference for Sean between being the 40th pick in the draft and, and going out next year and showing that he can be a wide side corner mm-hmm. and, and play on the outside, that's and becoming a top 15 pick. It's a huge difference, like massive difference. And what if he goes to the NFL and doesn't it doesn't make it? That right. happens to a lot of guys, mm-hmm. right? That extra 25 picks that you moved up. <laughs> That's going to so set you for and then, life. And then what if it's not there? I mean, regard, that, that's that's the greatest thing. It's the what if. Mm-hmm. It's the health aspect. Do I go through another season and right. come out healthy? Right? Like, there's all these different circumstances that go into it. And at the end of the day, it's all going to be predicated upon what does he want? Does he want to go through, again, does he want to go through another offseason <laughs> like you go through in college yeah. chasing the national championship after you just got done spilling it to go attain this one? Right. Yeah, Matt drills are about to start down there. <laughs> you know, so there's all these different things that are going through his head. So many different people giving him advice, yeah. and at the end of the day, he's going to do what he's he's compelled to do. I'm not giving him advice. <laughs> my my opinion is that he's going to come back. That's my that's what I that's what I think is going to happen. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I like that. I, I think I, it's, I, ho- I, I mean I hope he comes back. I think it's it. trending that way. And two weeks ago, I would have said no, no chance. Um, even Jeff Akuda, you saw, was like really tortured by the fact that he wanted to win a national championship and didn't do it. Uh, he played three years. Sean's played, you know, had that redshirt year and hasn't got, got to be a primary corner. Like and had Akuda. injury issues a yeah, year ago. And- I, I think that I think that might be part of it, but who knows? I think you look at the that family and they've certainly been planning for him to become a pro at some point. I don't know. We'll we'll find out at noon on Saturday uh, when we don't have to project it anymore. Uh, the other stuff you alluded to, Schlegs. Uh, the co-DC spot, 
it looks like it's going to be Kerry Combs. We'll see what happens against the Titans, uh, Titans and Patriots, and that season winds down if Ohio State has an announcement coming soon. To, to me, it just seems like we've we've done this long enough. You hear names otherwise, right? Yeah, there's you would no other hear names. other names being talked about, and there are zero other names. Nobody's being like, well, if it's not Kerry, it could be this guy. Like there is no one else being talked about, and we're a month removed from Jeff Halfway's decision, basically. So. To me, that's a pretty telltale sign that they have a, a solid inclination as to how this is going to go. And Corey Dennis will be sliding in to replace Mike Yursich. Were you guys surprised at all by by that move or anything that's going on? So there? let's go back to Yursich okay. question. Because I, 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 I don't know. Like It's not like I'm over here reading all the stuff. So <laughs> You're not reading Rick, everything on Letterman Roche, Legs? Come on. I know you guys do a great job, but I don't know <laughs> I don't know enough about okay. Mike. I, I know Mike, and I like Mike. Was he also the quarterback coach, co-offensive coordinator? Passing yeah. game coordinator. Passing game coordinator. Slash co-offensive coordinator. But Ryan, so let's Ryan Day called the plays, and yes. Kevin Wilson was the, pa- the other offensive coordinator. and that's- So are you so basically, because when I heard that he was going to Texas after one year here, I'm like, man, that's a step down if he is a cord- co-coordinator yeah. in regards to where you're going from Ohio State to a now 7-5 and five mm-hmm. Texas yeah. club. So obviously he wanted – the control of calling games because he called the games at Oklahoma State, correct? Yep. So then he comes here. He's a co-coordinator. He's doing the passing game. He's a quarterback coach. I want more of a responsibility. I think that jumping from Ohio State to a head job is significantly easier than jumping from the University of Texas as a well, coordinator to a head job. When, when, so they had to have paid him. The thing well, is, they did. They did pay him. But I think when I say, I'm not just saying this. When I say it was a Mutually beneficial move, I 100% mean it. Mike Yurcich wanted all those things that you said. And Ohio State also did not feel a great culture fit with Mike Yurcich. And How Burm- so? Difficult personalities going head-to-head. Uh, Ryan Day and Mike Yurcich not getting along behind the scenes. Uh, just not agreeing Very fully. Very similar to what happened with Alex Grinch and Greg Schiano a year ago. It is an extremely similar situation where one guy – comes in to thinking I'm going to be doing this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and then realizes Ryan Day's calling the plays. Ryan Day is coaching the quarterbacks. Uh, Kevin Wilson is the guy really putting the offense together, and I'm doing what? Yeah. So he, and again, I mean, that goes into all jobs. So, so you right? can like, understand if he yeah, gets offended. One hundred, one hundred percent. I mean, one that has to come up with what are our expectations in your role here. Right. Two, I look at it as you know what for him. Yeah, maybe there's some disagreement, but I got to learn some things, and now I want to take that. And, again, that's good. That's The problem fine. for him is that he's going to be going into Texas yeah. and having the exact same problem and, because it's Tom Herman's offense. Hey, and look at what Tom Herman did when he was calling the plays, <laughs> right? I mean, but, they, 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 they like, smoked from Utah. From a security aspect, are you going to be more secure Tom going Herman to a Texas situation to where don't, – Don't think Tim Beck was calling those plays. Oh, ever. no, no, I know Tom that. Tom Herman's always calling the plays. But we're, we're looking at a couple of years where, you know, Texas hasn't made that jump that everybody anticipated they made with Tom Herman. So you go there. Texas isn't back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you go there in that situation, what's it going to be a year and a half from now? Are you going to be looking for another job? Is that something that you really want to entertain and have to deal with? So I, I don't know, if, to me, if it was I, a curious. mutually beneficial move because it depends maybe on, on the outside looking in here. So. It depends on exactly what contract Texas got and Texas gave him. Mm-hmm. If he got two years guaranteed and he's three and a half million, okay, that's fine. Because I – when I say this, I'm not Mike Yursich is a really good coach, and he did a fine job for Ohio State last year. I want to make that clear when I'm talking about all this stuff. Really good coach. He wasn't pushed out of the door because he doesn't know college football, but he didn't do the job that Ryan Day wanted him to do in recruiting, 
And Burnham and I had, you know, talked to multiple people where he went several weeks without talking to C.J. Stroud in October and November. And that was a very – C.J. Stroud is a, as a quarterback yeah. signee who just signed. He's on the verge of being Sorry. a five-star. He, is that the kid from Arizona? From California. Okay, the other kid. He, he signed with Ohio State. He signed with Ohio week. State because Ryan Day yeah. basically salvaged things as so, Ryan Day can do. And, and let's go back in today's – in today's coaching, again, when you look at staffs, think about your businesses, right? Everybody has to do something at an elite level. And if your role is passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, you then have to go recruit your absolute face-off, which is why they made the decision to go with Corey. Corey's a young guy. He's a grinder. He played quarterback. He understands the system. He's been paying his dues for the last four years. Right here, his dad's a coach. He's married to a coach's daughter, <laughs> right? That definitely helps you in this town. And he's got a great relationship with Ryan Day and understands the program and the expectations that go along with his responsibility. And he's going to save Ohio State a lot of money that can be pushed in the direction <laughs> of Kerry Coombs, Brian Hartline. Yeah, yeah it, it's all. I mean, again, it goes back to how are we adding value? How are we developing the staff? Kerry, very fiery type guy. Larry's fiery with his guys, but also very controlled mm -hmm. demeanor, right? Yeah, Al. Al's a very passionate guy. Those two guys will be on the field. Right along with Larry. So then Matt Barnes is upstairs in the booth. Like, like when you think about your staff, you think about who do you want on the sidelines game day? Who do you want in the box? How do they coach on the field? Right? And their players. All of it has to mix and match to come along to where you have one co cohesive staff. The best thing that I saw that I wish we were talking about in the victory of what I liked from that game, yeah. but I'm talking about in the defeat, was, and you saw it in happenstance. It was Dabo Sweeney Walking past Brent Venables, the last series, they just scored in four plays. He turns to him and says, win the game. Like, that's cool, right? Like, to me, like, that gives you goosebumps into what you prepare for, what you do with your guys. I think both of those programs, Ohio State and Clemson, very, very similar. Tough love, get in guys' faces, be there when they're down, be there when they're up. Yeah, Either respecting one another. I think I would have. I think I would have enjoyed seeing Dabo and Brent Venables uh, come up short on one of those big stages and go to New Orleans for a little. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I, I agree with that. But like, that's the beauty to me of college football, right? It's. I mean, if you think about where guys were, where you were when you came in here at eighteen, where I was when I came in here at twenty-nine. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. Close. Yeah, I'm, I'm like Benjamin Button. I'm reverse aging. But the development and the relationships that you have and the relationship that the coaches have with each other, like that is the beauty of college football. But that's also the beauty of what Kerry Coombs and that addition and why Corey Dennis makes sense because yes. those relationships are already there. Mm -hmm. Ryan Day's worked with Corey Dennis now for three years already. He knows him. He trusts him. There is no uh, question about what his role is going to be. His job, Corey's job, is going to be to learn how to be a quarterback coach from Ryan Day. And that's why he would, you know, aside from the fact that you get to stay home and be at Ohio State, um, it's why that job makes a lot more sense than him going to Colorado State and being Steve Adazio's quarterback coach. Well, being the quarterback, and that's another thing, too. He already got a job. So it shows some credibility. It's not like we just hired our intern, like, you know, our quality control guy that came up, right? It was, no, he got picked to go be a, you know, Colorado State quarterback coach. No, we we see the value. We want to add him yeah. here because he knows our system. So it only validates it, you know, to bring to bring him in. Plus, for Ryan Day, he's already working with the quarterbacks. Right. Yeah, right? there's so, a lot of continuity in, in a room that's had so much uh, upheaval in the last few years. The last thing you need for Justin Fields, for these young guys who are coming in, Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, like they want to know who their quarterback coach is. They mm -hmm. don't want to 
they both get to campus on Monday. They're arriving tomorrow and start classes on Monday. Like, they don't want to have to be like, oh, crap, now who's my quarterback coach? So <laughs> yeah. now they know who it is. Yes. They know it's Corey. Corey's been intimately involved in their recruitment for the last year plus or, with Jack Miller and for the last six months with C.J. Stroud. So it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. The Internet, of course, is all a flutter with, you know, nepotism talk and all that stuff. But Ryan Day is not beholden to Urban Meyer anymore. Like, if he didn't want him, he would not be here. No so, doubt. Urban going to the Browns, Beanie? No. <laughs> I, I, we talk about Urban Meyer and him not one stress. As much as I love my brownies, herbs, don't even think about it. All right, it. that's a good place to go. <laughs> Let it shut it shut it down here back uh, in Columbus for Letterman Live. Uh, brought to you by our good friends at Roosters. Uh, Their lots, food is amazing. And I'm not eating I, it because. This is the first time Schleek doesn't dive in. Come on. Tell them why. Tell Dude, why. man, hey, listen, I got some love Better handles because when you eat two baskets of these things every time I come on the show, <laughs> Uh, it's hard to burn those off, especially and then when you go to Texas for the holidays. And I ate my face off. I enjoyed Whataburger in every Mexican restaurant uh, that they had to offer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for sure. All right. He's getting ready for the cruise for cancer. He's yes. trying to look good. Hey, man, listen. You got to look. You got to be buttoned up. You know what I mean? Your shirt's <laughs> off the entire time. Berm's going to cover some basketball for us on Friday night. Ohio State diving in there. Uh, going to look for a Big Ten title. Schlegs is going to hit that diet. Beanie's going to keep breaking down uh, running backs for us and everything else that pops into his head. Yes, indeed. Get the podcast rolling again. I am Austin Ward. This has been Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. We'll see you next week.